that skill to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at His right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take Him at His word and Christ died to save me, this I read. And in my heart I find a need Of Him to be my Savior That He will leave His place on high And come for sinful Welcome to the Lift Podcast. My name is Angela Withers, and today we're going to be talking about God's algorithm. So I've kind of had like a negative connotation about algorithms because I've thought, oh, this is something that large companies use to gather data on people. (laughs) But an algorithm is a set of step-by-step procedures or a set of rules to follow for completing a specific task. In the scriptures, it says that men are that they might have joy and that God's plan is called the plan of happiness, that God desires for us to be happy. But what's interesting is that the things that bring me happiness aren't necessarily the things that bring my husband Brandon happiness, right? Like I love summertime. I love when it's warm. I love everything that's flavored like coconut or smells like coconut or tastes like coconut. And I love playing Scrabble. And those are things that Brandon just has to endure because I like them. (laughs) And then there's some things that he loves that I just kind of endure too. Like he loves um, hunting or being out in the cold or or snowshoeing or skiing. And, And I do like skiing. That's really fun too. But being out in the cold is something I definitely just have to endure. But... It totally makes him happy, even though it doesn't bring me the same level of happiness. So how can God have this final destination or this happily ever after that's actually going to really make each individual person happy? And what would make you happy for eternity? I want everyone to kind of just pause and think about that for a minute. Well, God actually designed this algorithm when the earth was created and not just the earth but the solar system in which the earth resides the sun and the moon and the stars the earth upon which we stand all of these things are spoken of in dnc section 88 and i've talked about this a little bit in a previous podcast as well but it says in there if starting in verse 6 he that ascended up on high as also he descended below all things in that he comprehendeth all things, that he might be in all and through all things, the light of truth. This is talking about Jesus Christ. God commissioned Jesus Christ to be the creator of this earth and all the creations thereon, the creator of our solar system. Continuing on verse 7, which truth shineth. This is the light of Christ, as also he is in the sun, and the light of the sun, and the power thereof by which it was made, as also he is in the moon, and is the light of the moon, and the power thereof by which it was made, as also the light of the stars, and the power thereof by which they were made, and also the earth, and the power thereof, even the earth upon which you stand. So Christ's 
light and power are through each of these things because he is the creator of them. The sun, the moon, the stars, the earth. And it goes on to say in verse 11, and the light with which shineth, which giveth you light, is through him who enlighteneth your eyes, which is the same light that quickeneth your understandings, which light proceedeth forth from the presence of God to fill the immensity of space. So this light of Christ, this power, is all around us and through us as creations as well that were created by God. And then in verse 13, it says, The light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed, even the power of God who sitteth upon his throne, who is in the bosom of eternity, who is in the midst of all things. This light of Christ permeates through everything. And it's the law upon which all things are given. This is God's algorithm. God established this algorithm, this order, this program, that when all these creations align with it and live in harmony with it, guess what they experience? Joy, happiness. That is how this comes about. When we live in harmony and obedience to God's algorithm, joy naturally comes to us and happiness will naturally come to us. So what's interesting is that we can look at all these little minuscule creations like what I talked about in my last podcast, right? In our microbiome, all those microorganisms. And they will be fulfilling the program, fulfilling the commandments that they were given, the instructions they were giving. They will be fulfilling those perfectly, being perfectly obedient, and they are finding joy in fulfilling the measure of their creation. And they're living in harmony with this algorithm and they're finding joy in that, in fulfillment of that. And we are the creations that continually will turn away from what God is asking us to do and and guiding us to do. And because of that, we don't feel this continuous joy and happiness permeating through our life. Even as we experience hardships and challenges, there's this underlying level of happiness that will just buoy us up and help us through those challenges when we know that we're living in harmony with God's algorithm, when we're living in harmony with this light of Christ, when we're basically living in harmony with and accomplishing God's will. And that's what this algorithm is. And in Moroni chapter 7, it talks about this algorithm. I've also talked about these verses in other podcasts before. Some of my favorite verses in scriptures. This talks about um, the light of Christ starting in verse 15. For behold, my brethren, it is given unto you to judge that ye may know good from evil. And the way to judge is as plain that ye may know with perfect knowledge as the daylight is from the dark night. For behold, the spirit of Christ is given to every man that he may know good from evil. Wherefore, I show unto you the way to judge for everything which inviteth to do good and to persuade to believe in Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. Wherefore, ye may know with perfect knowledge it is of God. Wherefore, I beseech of you, brethren, that ye should search diligently in the light of Christ, that ye may know good from evil. And if ye will lay hold upon every good thing and condemn it not, ye certainly will be a child of Christ. This light of Christ permeates through us. We know it is our conscience, and so many times we ignore what it's saying to us. And you guys, we can all think back on our lives throughout our childhood of times that this, or that our conscience, this light of Christ was trying to guide us, times when we followed it and times when we ignored it and did not listen to it. And most often we felt 
um, when we chose to ignore it, we felt happiness leave. We felt guilt. We felt sorrow. We felt um, pain. We felt worry. We felt anxiousness come in. Those are all results from us walking away from God's algorithm and choosing not to align with it. What's amazing is that because he was the creator with God, because he followed God's assignments and instruction as he created the earth and the solar system, because Christ followed those instructions perfectly and because his power resides through all those creations, Christ recognized that extremely early on when he came here during his mortal period. He aligned with that algorithm immediately, and he walked this path that showed us how to align with this algorithm. Just the way I talked about those little microorganisms, right? We see in the world all around us, we see every year the sun and the moon and the earth, they're orbiting on their axis just the way that they were commanded to. We see the cycle of the seasons, and they continue to progress just the way they were ordered, just in perfect alignment with this algorithm. We see the plants outside. We see the the cycle that they go through from a seed that can grow up into a plant that can then produce fruit, that can then reproduce, that then becomes a seed again. This cycle just repeats over and over. They are living in perfect harmony with what God commanded them and with this algorithm that is governing them. And we as humans are the ones that are a little slow and late to come to this understanding and this realization that there's this whole algorithm. And when we live in harmony with it, it brings joy and happiness into our lives, regardless of what our preferences are, regardless of if we love the flavor of coconuts or not, or if we like the cold, or if we like the heat of the summer. That doesn't matter. We find happiness in aligning with God's will and living God's will. Here's just a few verses, and if you look back through the New Testament, you will see this jump out at you over and over. The amount of times that Jesus Christ refers to him that sent me or he that sent me, over and over, he knew. God sent him there. God sent him to walk this path, to live in harmony with this algorithm, to show the rest of us how it's done, to to do this perfectly because he aligned with this algorithm perfectly, and to enable himself to be our savior, to overcome death with the resurrection, um, thus enabling us to have immortality. And if we use his atoning sacrifice um, through repentance and forgiveness, then we have the ability as well to also achieve eternal life. And it says in these verses, this is just several verses that I'm going to um, show from the New Testament. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If And again, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He is only here fulfilling God's will. He is plugged into that algorithm and that's it. He has no other hobbies or side interests or hopes or desires for himself. It, nothing that's distracting him from just completing God's will. Again, another verse says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Another one, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting, 
Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. That he's not even speaking anything unless it's his own Father's will, unless it's his own Father's words that he's given him to speak. Christ did not come down with his own agenda. He only came to fulfill the Father's agenda. Now, the question for us to start to like really reflect and recognize in our own minds and in our own hearts is, do we have our own agenda going on? Here's one more verse from Christ. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Do we have our own agenda going on? Do we have our own will going on? Is there something that we are hoping to accomplish, that we are hoping to, to do, that wasn't given to us by our Father in heaven that isn't in alignment with this algorithm. So Christ recognized very early on that God has this work that he wants accomplished. And then Christ never got distracted from that goal by his by any of his own selfish pursuits. He didn't have his own plans. He didn't ha- even have his own ideas about how he should accomplish God's will. I mean, maybe he had his own ideas, but he never acted on them, never followed on them, never let those ideas motivate him. He aligned with God's will, God's ideas, God's instructions, and that was it. That's the algorithm. That's the key. If we want to feel happiness, we're going to find a lot more happiness by taking whatever our plans are, whatever our agenda is, whatever our will is, and sticking that all on the altar, giving it all up and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm here. I want to plug into this algorithm. I want to align with what you're telling me to do and start listening to your conscience. There's probably going to be things that you need to go back and take care of. That's one of the first things our conscience will do is it will show us things we need to repent of and things we need to fix. Even things from years and years ago that have been rejected or ignored or that we've tried to shove away in a corner. God will dust all those things out. If we want to really align with this algorithm, he will dust all those things off. He'll bring them to our remembrance and he'll say, this is your first assignment. You need to go. You need to take care of these things. And as we go through this process of cleaning out what has been left over in our soul, it becomes really, it's setting the stage for the baptism of fire. It's setting the stage for the Holy Ghost who is a member of the Godhead to come and reside with you perfectly because you will have been cleansed. You will have been purified um, by allowing the atonement to clean out all of those things that need cleaned out for you. You'll become a pure vessel. And from there, the Holy Ghost can reside with you so much more fully. This is what the sacramental promises when we were baptized and when we renew our covenants, those baptismal covenants, every Sunday by taking the sacrament, that's what this promise is, that if we're really letting the atonement work in our lives, if we're really living in harmony with this algorithm, if we're really cleaning out things that need cleaned out and repenting, we're going to be cleansed and the Holy Ghost will be with us as a constant companion. And we will feel that. We will feel his presence. And when we choose to turn away from that algorithm and turn, turn away from doing God's will, we'll feel the presence of the Holy Ghost leave us. And we will know that we're on our own when we turn away from God's path. So God tells us that we are his work and his glory. His whole work and his glory are to bring to pass the immortality 
and eternal life of man. That should be pretty humbling. And that should also give us a huge amount of hope that for us to achieve eternal life isn't our work to do. It's God's work. When we try to take ownership over that and we think that we need to figure out our own eternal life and figure out how to accomplish it, then we actually get in the way of God accomplishing that work in our own life. He wants to bring about eternal life for us. And what is eternal life? Eternal life is God's life. God is eternal. That is one of his titles. And if and he wants his children, we are literally his spiritual offspring. And we have the ability to become like him because we have his spiritual DNA within us. And just like I talked about those seeds earlier, right? You've got this little acorn that grow up, can grow up to be this massive oak tree and then produce thousands and thousands of more acorns that can grow up to be this massive oak trees as well. God wants us to have his life. And that doesn't mean we're ever going to be on the same level as God. His work and his glory are to bring about our eternal life and immortality, the eternal life and immortality of his children. So as he brings about that eternal life for each one of us, he will grow in glory and increase in glory. So we're never going to be at the same level as him. But as our future spirit children grow in glory, we will grow in glory too, but that will only add to God's glory. And it's amazing to me that God is not so busy with meetings and administration that he doesn't know each one of us. We are his work. We are his whole to-do list. His work is to bring about our immortality and our eternal life. And the immortality part has already been accomplished. Jesus Christ accomplished that. He logged into that algorithm. He fulfilled God's will to bring about the immortality of his, all of his children when Jesus Christ was resurrected. That part's done. So what else needs to happen for God to be successful in his work to bring about eternal life for one of each one of us? Well, that's already been happening for thousands of years. People have been receiving their eternal life as they've lived in harmony with this algorithm, we see an entire civilization. We had Enoch and his whole city. They recognized this algorithm and they plugged into it. They lived in harmony with it and their entire city was able to walk and talk with God and then be taken up to be with him. This is the same invitation for us. Jesus Christ walked the path so we could clearly see how to accomplish it. And if you do a study throughout the New Testament this year, as we're reading the New Testament, I want you to pay attention to how many times Jesus Christ talks about only doing God's will. And it shows right from the very beginning, even when he's a young boy in the temple and he tells Mary and Joseph that he's there about his father's business. This is what it means to arrive in Zion. It's not a destination for us physically. It's not like real estate property. It's in our heart. Our heart has to be at the point that any of our own desires, any of our own plans, any of our own ideas, any of our own agendas are all pulled out, examined, 
and placed on the altar. If they're not, if it's not God's will that placed those there, then they need to be taken out and they need to be placed on the altar. When we can get to that point that we just want to do God's will, we want to live in harmony with this algorithm, we want to follow the same path that Jesus Christ followed, that's when we've become a Zion person. And it has to happen one person at a time. It has to happen individually. And it did in Enoch's day. It happened one person at a time until there were enough people that started plugging into this algorithm that they realized they had a whole Zion society. So the biggest roadblock that gets in the way of God accomplishing his work and his glory is us. We're the ones when we let, it's not even, it's not even Satan. (laughs) It's us. It's our own will. It's us trying to figure out and work out our own salvation rather than recognizing that we need to place that all on the altar and trust that God is already working out our eternal life. That is his whole work. We are his to-do list. And when we can let go of all of our own plans, all of our own will, all of our own desires, all of our own thoughts and ideas, place those all on the altar, and we plug into that algorithm, and he's going to give us our first assignment. And it's probably going to be something we need to repent of. And he's going to start pulling out and dusting out all that stuff from our past and saying, take care of these things, take care of these things, take care of these things. I sent my son so you could take care of these things. And as we go through that process of purging past sins, and we go through that process of being cleansed, and we go through that process of being healed, because there's a lot of things that we've shoved back in the back corners of our mind that were hurtful and painful to us, because we didn't know how to use the atonement to be healed from them. As we go through that process of being healed from those things, we will feel the presence of the Holy Ghost very strongly in our lives. And that will continue to guide us even stronger to know and do and accomplish God's will. And as we start to receive instruction and guidance from God about what his will is, we're going to find that if we're really living God's will, it's going to be custom. It's going to be different than the our neighbor next to us who's really trying to live God's will because God has an individual work for each one of us and we have individual spiritual gifts and he's going to guide us and help us identify what those things are. I have a list of just a few people that I was thinking about. Um, these are just examples of some men and women who aligned with this algorithm and they may have taken a while too in their life to identify that there was an algorithm there. But they eventually aligned with this algorithm and then walked this path that Christ did. Not that they did the same things as Christ, but the thing that they did that was the same as Christ is they did what God's will was. They allowed God's will to be the motivating force in their life and they put all other ideas and thoughts and motives on the altar. And they gave up their own traditions or beliefs or ideas or plans or whatever it was. And their will was dedicated to accomplishing God's will. And so many people could have watched what they were doing and viewed them as completely crazy. And they could have even judged them as what they were doing as evil. So let's talk about some of these people. The first one that I have on my list is Noah. He worked for decades to build this massive ship in the middle of dry land. And there wasn't a rain cloud in sight while he's cutting down all these trees, right? But because he did God's will, the whole human race survived the flood that came. Then Ammon, 
one of my favorites. I just love Ammon. And he was essentially a prince. And he left his homeland and left his opportunity to be the king and rule over the whole land of Zarahemla. He left that opportunity. And he chose to leave it and to leave all the members of the church and the support system that he had who had the same beliefs as him. And he went to go work as a servant to his enemies. But because he did God's will, thousands of people came to know Christ. Thousands of people left behind their traditions. And thousands of people received eternal life. Thousands more people plugged into that algorithm that they saw Ammon living. And they came to know God. Then we have Nephi. He packed up, he left town, then he came back, he killed a man, he stole his identity, he stole his breastplates, he tricked his servant into helping him, and we can completely view Nephi as evil, yet he was following God's will. How do we know when we're following God's will and when we're following something, especially when when we think God's asking us to do something that we're like, that sounds like that is completely wrong. One thing that I love is that God's given us the law of witnesses. I've also talked about this before in previous podcasts, and you can find these principles written down in our Solid Roots Produce Sweet Fruits packet, that the law of witnesses is that God will always establish his word out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. So when we have a prompting that we're like, is this really God's will? This seems kind of like it goes against other beliefs or other things that I feel like are right. And we need to always be watching and seeking out additional witnesses. God promises that he'll give us those things. Um, anyway, because of what, because Nephi was willing to align with this algorithm, we have the whole Book of Mormon and we have the truths in which it contains. We have the whole story of Ammon. We have the whole story of Jesus Christ coming to visit the people in the Americas after he was resurrected. Jesus Christ was not just the Savior and the Messiah for the Jews in Jerusalem or the Samaritans or the Romans, he was the Savior for the entire world. And there's many other accounts and legends even of a great white God that came and visited that came and visited ancient cultures. And we have that same thing. That's what the Book of Mormon is is it is another record and testament of Jesus Christ, of his divinity as the Son of God, the creator of the earth, and our Savior, who overcame death and overcame spiritual death, who came to earth and lived in harmony with this algorithm and provided the way for us to do the same. Next, we have Joan of Arc. She completely went against the tradition by becoming a soldier when other women her age were having families or starting families. And even after she helped France become a free nation, she was still burned at the stake. But without her determination to do God's will, France would not have been in a situation to help America gain its freedom. And the restored gospel of Jesus Christ would not have had a land of freedom to originate in. But people viewed her as evil, even as she fulfilled God's will. All right, William Tyndale, one of my favorites. I've probably talked about him before in a previous podcast too, because I really, I really love this man. I love the courage that he had to do what he did. He ended up running from the law many times. He illegally smuggled Bibles that he had translated into the English language. He was also burned at the stake because of his actions. Yeah, because he was willing to do what God told him to, because he was willing to align with this algorithm, 
even though it was scary, even though he was viewed as evil by all of his church leaders, because of what he was willing to do, even a common plowboy was able to read the Bible and find the invitation in James to ask of God. We would not have the restored gospel if he hadn't played his role. We would not have the restored gospel if Nephi hadn't played his role, if Joan of Arc hadn't played her role, if William Tyndale hadn't played his role, if Joseph Smith hadn't played his role. God has a work for each of us to do, and we will only know that work when we plug into this algorithm. And we can only plug into this algorithm if we start turning to God, following what our conscience is telling us, using the atonement fully, fully in our lives to take care of everything that needs taken care of, and then having the courage to move forward, letting go of all of our own will, and trusting God's, letting his will be our whole work, just like Jesus Christ did. So when I shared these examples of men and women who have identified and and plugged into this algorithm and lived in harmony with it, I'm not encouraging any of us to break the law, but I am highlighting the fact that we can easily misjudge one another as we strive to accomplish God's will. That God's will might guide us to do something that we completely judge someone else as being evil or as being completely misguided. And even amongst those examples, all of their missions, the work they had to perform that God, that God gave them to perform were so different from one another. And what God guided Ammon to do was so different from what Joseph Smith was guided to do. As we loosen our grip on our own will and our own plans for the future, our own ideas, our own beliefs, our own hopes, our own expectations, and we place that all on the altar, we'll see that God has something for us to do that we probably would have never even imagined for ourselves. And we'll also have our heart and our mind filled with understanding and compassion and support for those around us in their different circumstances as they are also striving to accomplish God's will. These great men and women paved new trails. They went against the norm. They allowed God's will to prevail in their life, and God was successful in his work to bring about their immortality and eternal life. And God will also guide us line upon line, one little step at a time, towards eternal life. We don't need to be the one that's plotting out our course to eternal life. We don't need to try to yank the steering wheel out of God's hands because we don't trust his route, or we think we know a shortcut, or we think we have a better plan. God knows, and it is his work to bring about our eternal life, and he knows the best way to do that, way better than we do. We need to put all of our own plans and the course that we've plotted out, stick that all on the altar, let go of let go of all of that, and just listen to God one little step at a time. This is like that talk that I posted the other day about the 1%. One little step at a time, one percent at a time, God's going to lead us. But we don't need to be the ones that plot out what that course is. Like, okay, I'm going to accomplish this one little thing, then I'm going to move on and accomplish this little one little thing, then I'm going to accomplish this. We don't need to be the one plotting that course. If we're living in harmony with this algorithm, God's going to be telling us the next little step and the next little step, line upon line, precept upon precept, one little percent at a time, he's going to be moving us towards eternal life. And maybe we've actually been behind the steering wheel and we've been calling the shots for far too long that we don't even realize God's been trying to fulfill that role or that we have overstepped our bounds and that we're completely getting in the way of our own eternal life. And it's time to just repent, to 
humbly hand that all over to God and put all of our will on the altar. Okay, so I'm going to share a story about the app, about this Lyft app that that we built. This started years ago. I was teaching fitness classes and um, kept thinking, I wish there was some music here that we could use that would just have an uplifting message so that when you finished your workout, you would feel lifted mind, body, and spirit, that you would feel uplifted by the music as well as the workout. And that thought just stayed with me for a while. And I kept thinking, you know, why doesn't somebody start choreographing to some of these gospel rock songs? Why doesn't somebody do this? And for after a while, I realized, oh my goodness, this is actually God saying, I'm planting the seed, giving me this idea. This is something he wants me to do. And so I started doing that. And he brought incredible women into my life who also were along those same lines and wanted to choreograph with good music and Anyway, that's so you see all the other sweet ladies and they are have become very dear friends. And God brought them into my life to kind of help bring about Lyft. And then he said, okay, now that it's you've got to set up its website, now it needs to be an app. And all this way I'm learning to do all these technical things that I didn't know before, like film and video edit, build a website and and build an app and (laughs) just things that I never thought that I would ever do but just one little step at a time God was guiding us to do that and and I can't take credit for the whole app um there's a platform that I used that's amazing but just putting together all of the content and everything that needs to go into it and kind of arranging how the community was going to run and work and and I'm still figuring that out to be honest but um but God just guided one little step at a time to bring about this app and meanwhile this is costing quite a bit of money to to build this and and I have an incredible husband who just felt the same way like if this is God's will then let's do it but as as we've gone along and as our kids have grown and as we've gotten closer to them needing to start college or you know being being close to starting college and in the next year and a half we've thought, okay, we cannot put this much money towards this app. This app needs to be able to pay for itself. And so we told Heavenly Father, we're like, okay, we're going to put one last amount of money towards marketing. And if this app can't pay for itself by this date when we need to renew the contract for all the app um, platform, then we're just going to close it up. And we're going to say, well, we tried and we love what we loved, what we created. We love everything on, on Lyft. We love how it it just makes me happy. All this, all the content on there just makes me very, it just brings me a lot of happiness. Um, anyway, so, so I've been really happy and pleased with what God has guided us to build, but I was like, this isn't going to be sustainable financially for our family. So we thought, so we told God, okay, we'll just put this much money toward more towards it. And if it can't pay for itself or at least, at least partially pay for itself by this date, then we're just going to close everything up. And then God came back to us and said, like, you've forgotten. You just created your own plan of how you think this should work. You're not the one in charge here. I'm the one in charge. And and so we just placed it all on the altar. And he said, Angela's going to go to work. She can work full time. And the money that she makes can pay for the app. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Like God's the one that sets the terms. He's the one that has the plan. He's the one that has the work. It's his work. It's his work that needs accomplished. It's not our work. It's not our plan. It's not us coming up with this 
idea and, and these goals, they're his goals. It's his work. He's the one that wants these things accomplished. Just like when he asked Nephi to go back and get the plates, it was his work that needed accomplished. And Nephi recognized that and knew that God would provide a way. And just like God does, as soon as he gives us the assignment, he does provide a way and multiple opportunities open up for me to work. And there are things I'm excited about. I'm really excited about about doing it and and opportunities that I feel very excited about. And I, it's going to be a huge change for my family for me to be working full-time outside of the home. But super excited and and the happiness is really, truly there. The happiness is there when we are willing to do God's will, to align with the algorithm, to take whatever our plans are and set them on the altar and say, okay, this is, this is what God wants. And our soul will immediately begin to feel joy and happiness. Another silly thing, ever since we moved to Arkansas, we've been renting a home and we thought, okay, we'll get to know the area, we'll we'll buy a home when we find the right one, and nothing. We've had no answers come from God but to wait, to wait. So we've been in this home that's smaller than our previous home, so we've really been really close as a family, <laughs> and it's been good. It's been great. We feel very thankful, but recently God's been telling me, okay, start to look again, start to look again, and as I look, I've realized that I I just so easily fall into this temptation or fall into this habit or fall into this tradition of knowing this is the kind of kitchen I want. This is the kind of yard that I want. You know, I have all these things that I want. And as I've been looking at real estate, I've realized it, what I want doesn't matter. Because even if I do pick a ho- out a house that has the kitchen I want or that has the yard that I want, if it's not where God wants me to be, it's not going to make me happy. And all of those things that I desire, all of those things that I want can all be placed on the altar. And I know that real happiness is just going to naturally come when I'm in harmony with that algorithm. If I'm in the place and the home that God wants me to be, if I'm in the job that God wants me to be, if I'm doing the things that God wants me to do, that doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges, but there will truly be a feeling of joy and real happiness, even in in the middle of those challenges, if we're in harmony with that algorithm. That's what that algorithm is. It is the plan of happiness. Men are that they might have joy, and God's whole work and his glory is to bring about our eternal life. We've been talking about small and simple things a lot, and by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. We have to have the humility to hand the steering wheel over to God. We have to have the humility to really evaluate our desires and our plans and our ideas and our motives and identify if that's really God's or if those are just ours and then be willing to place them all on the altar. And God will guide us towards eternal life one small, simple step at a time. So the question is that I'm ending this podcast on is what is your next step? What has God already been telling you personally that he wants you to do? And the thought that comes immediately to your mind is probably it. It might be an idea or a prompting that has come multiple times that you've ignored, that hasn't fully gone away, or maybe it's something he wants you to repent of. Maybe it's something that he needs you to address 
that you really need healed from. Maybe it's something scary and you've been avoiding it. But I want you to know that God is still waiting, arms open, to embrace you on this path of living in harmony with his algorithm and to take back the steering wheel and to guide you towards eternal life. That is his work. You are his entire to-do list. So have the courage to take that next step that will help you place everything on the altar so that you can step into this algorithm and live in harmony with it. And when you do, happiness will naturally come. It will flood back in and God will then give you the next small step that he wants you to do. And then the next small step. All right, one final note that needs to be said is that as we get better at following promptings and allowing God's will to prevail in our lives, then God is going to ratchet up the intensity and he'll increase the difficulty and he will test us to see if we're going to stay true to the covenants that we've made with him. And when decisions get really tricky or even contradictory, you stay true to your covenants. When you feel like you are at your lowest of lows, you stay true to your covenants. Because God will not hand out the prize of eternal life like a participation ribbon. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stepped into that fiery furnace knowing that God could save them, but also saying, but if not, we will serve him. We will stay true to the covenants we've made with him. It doesn't matter what fiery furnaces we face when our will is completely on the altar. That if God wants to save us, he'll save us. If he doesn't want to save us, keeping our covenants is still the very top priority because we know that his will is better. He has a way better path plotted out for us towards eternal life than we can ever imagine or come up with for ourselves. So if he saves us, he saves us. But if not, we will not break our covenants. And that's when eternal life can really be granted. That's when God's work and God's glory with us will be complete. This is what Christ knew, and this is the path that he paved for us to follow. He said, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me.